Welcome to Deshi the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast, Episode 14. If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneurs across Africa. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's a pleasure to be back on air once again. I just want to thank everyone that helped support the uh, Tomato Just campaign on Kickstarter last week. We were able to help the Tomato Just team raise $55,000 for their Kickstarter campaign. So it's really been um, a great effort from the listeners from com and all the other people that supported those young group of entrepreneurs trying to do something different in Nigeria. And I've been saying that I'd announced the uh, winners for the book giveaway for the launch of the show. I had stated that when we launch the show, I'm giving away two books. The Obstacle is the Way, The Timeless Art of Turning Trials into Triumph by Ryan Holiday and Choose Yourself by none other than James Altucher. So without further ado, the winners of the book giveaway are Kamal Abubakar from Bangladesh, Emeka Okuchuku from Nigeria, Vincent Ocheng from Kenya, Abayami Ayola from Nigeria, Dipanka Dota, I don't know where Dipanka is from, and Valentina Nena. So I've sent out an email to all the winners of the uh, book giveaway, and I'm waiting to hear back from all of them. So once I hear back from them, I'll be shipping off their books to their various destinations right in time for Christmas. So... I just want to say thanks to you guys for supporting, for signing up, you know, tweeting, commenting, and whatnot. And, you know, just keep listening to the podcast. We'll have some other great stuff and giveaways and trainings and all that stuff in store for everyone that's following and is part of Audition Nation. So I just want to say a big thank you and congratulations once again to Kamal Abubakar from Bangladesh, Emeka Okechuku from Nigeria, Vincent Ocheng from Kenya, Abayomi Ayola, also from Nigeria, Dipankar Dutta, and Valentina Nenna. So, once I hear from the recipients of these books, I'll be shipping their stuff out to them. Alright, and now without further ado, let's take a quick word from our friends before we get on with the rest of the show. Are you interested in increasing sales and driving higher profitability for your company? Do you want to reach over 50 million buyers and potential customers? Then head over to Conga Marketplace at conga.com. Conga.com is Nigeria's largest e-commerce marketplace that provides millions of customers the ability to access a wide variety of products at very attractive prices. Showcase your goods and services and watch your business explode. Go to conga.com, that's K-O-N-G-A.com, and sign up to be a seller on Niger's largest marketplace. We can all do with a little extra cash. Why not just pick up your trash? Recyclers recycles your trash and gives you amazing prizes or cash for every kilogram of recycled material you deliver. So pick up those cans, plastic bottles, and bags. Call Recyclers today. Go to Recyclers.com. That's W-E-C-Y-C-L-E-R-S.com for more details. Hey, good morning, guys. Welcome to the show. Today's guest is Mudukwe McCauley. She's the founder and CEO of Capital Square, a, co-working, a pioneering co-working space based out of Lagos, Nigeria. 
Prior to founding Capital Square, Mudupa gained experience in the Information and Technology Center at, and advertising by working at KPMG, Ogilvy, Nestle, and her own startup, Technicolor. She's a graduate of Covenant University and the Warwick School of Business. Mudupa, welcome to the show. Hi, hi, Susan. Thanks. Welcome. Well, yeah. well, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Yeah, so I just thought for people who may not be familiar with you and your story that we could start close to the beginning and give people a snapshot of where you're from, where you grew up, some exploration into the adventures that led you to the founding of Capital Square. Okay. Yeah, you pretty much covered everything anyway. It's uh, got my school where I worked, and yeah, I'm Nigerian and I'm in Lagos. I've I've lived here all my life. Well, apart from when I was at work, anyway. And um, I guess that's that's when the idea sort of you know got into my head to start this place, to start Capital Square, because I well I didn't have a lot of friends in school, so as I just used to read a lot and you know. I was always on my computer and always looking at things. And there was this lady I stumbled upon. Um, she has this blog called Brain Pickings. And I found out some, somehow that she worked out of a co-working space. I didn't know what it was called then, that co-working space. I just knew it was a bunch of entrepreneurs working together, mm-hmm. all doing different things. And I thought it would be a cool idea to have something like that in Lagos. So... I mean, at that point, I, I didn't think I would start it. I just, I just wrote it down. Like I saved it whenever I and forgot about it probably until I finished school, and then I came down here, um, like right after my project. Like two days after I submitted my project, I just came back to Lagos because I. I didn't know how easy it would be for me to get a job in the UK. I'd, like, I'd been applying all the time in school and nothing happened. So I promised myself that if I didn't have a job at the time I was done with my project, I would just come home. So I came home and I continued this whole job search thing. I wanted to work on the branding thing as well with my friend. That's what Technicolor was about. That's the startup I had in school. Okay. And I wanted to continue with that, but then we wanted to sort of make it professional, have an office, and, you know, just if we're going to be branding people, our own, our own brand has to, to have that image as well. And I was looking for somewhere to work, and everywhere was just ridiculously expensive. Or, you know, if it wasn't expensive, it, was, it wasn't a nice professional place to be working out of. And... Well, that, that's when I just remembered this thing I wrote, I wrote down pages before and thought, okay, since this is nothing like that, let me start it. So I don't know. I don't know if you've read this uh, before because I like to mention it so that people don't think. Because I, I guess a lot of people have, have all these stories about them going to going to ask for funding and pitching to investors and blah, blah, blah. And I guess... I was probably a bit lucky mm-hmm. in the sense that I could get I could get funding, I could get support from my family. So I basically just uh, talked to my dad about it. I still had to draw up all the all the plans and all the financials and all, all the boring things that are involved in you know setting up a business and getting people to take you seriously. Mm-hmm. So. 
So yeah, I, I did that and it seemed like it'd be a good idea. I got money for it, found this space and then that's, that's when the real work started. Uh, should I go on? Or oh, so, so, you ra- so you raised money from your dad, for example. So take, walk us huh? through that conversation. You come back from grad school, you're looking for a job, you can't find a job, you have this idea. And what was the conversation like between you and your parents, for example? Because I'm anticipating, um, from my understanding, where your office is located. It's one of the choicest parts of town in Lagos, Lekki. So that means rents will probably be expensive. So walk us through the conversation between you and your dad, how you convinced him to put up the money for you to start this venture. Okay. Um, how did that even happen? I, I, I basically just told him, look, I have this business idea, and, and I walked him through it. I, I told him the problem, what the problem was, because um, I guess it's you, you can't just expect your family because they're your family to just throw money on your head. You have to tell them what you're using it for and and why and why it makes sense for them to invest in it because it is an investment for them. It's not just a gift. Mm. So... I told him, okay, yeah, this is this is the idea. I want to start this. It's just, I told him, it's, it's just an office-based business, more or less. Because and, and another thing I figured is, if, if you are looking, you have to break everything down to the simplest form. You can't come and be talking about co-working and collaboration and what's it, brick and mortar, it's office space. Yeah. So this is what I'm doing. And number one, there are a lot of people who are moving to this side of town. Like, Crazy, crazy amount of people. There's, there's the phase one and everything, but then there are a lot of people in Aja, there are a lot of people in Songotedu, there are a lot, like, you know, just way, way down that no one used to live there 20 years ago, but there are so many people living this way now. So I told him, yeah, these people are going to be a lot of entrepreneurs because there are a lot of people who are doing their businesses now, and um, they're going to need somewhere to work. And everybody knows that Lekki rent is, like, ridiculously expensive. Mm-hmm. So it's basically okay. I have a way to make it uh, short. Sorry, I, I have a way to make it more affordable for people because they are going to be sharing space. Walked them through. They said, "Okay, so how how do you know that people are going to sign up for this?" So I did this very random sort of Twitter survey. I just posted it. I have office space in like like cheap office space, shared office space, and who is interested. And I just, you know, posted that, asked friends to retweet it. And I got I got a number of responses and everyone was, you know, looking like um everyone seemed like they were interested. So so at least I, I had that to show thing that yeah I had such a number of people interested in this thing. This is the price range I told them because I mean a lot of it was just picking numbers off the top of my head but um it sort of worked so uh, after doing that i now said okay this is this is i had to find out what things cost so like rent and internet uh, furniture i needed to get stuff i would need to have in here i had to find all the costs and do all the estimates of how many how many people i would need working in this space to mm-hmm. first of take care of all the overheads and then make profits for myself. So so I mean it's it's still the same basic thing you have to do with any other any other investor. It's just that um this this was a lot less um, you know, 
corporate because because it was my dad. But again, I still had to do the spreadsheet to do everything. So I think I think that's that's something I guess other people could take away from this is that even if it's your family supporting you, you can't just treat them anyhow because they are your family. Because money is money, they could use it for something else. And and the fact that they are considering letting you use it to start a business means you should take them seriously too and and show them that they are not wasting their money. So yeah, again, I have to I have to basically convince my dad that it made sense, and he wouldn't have given me the money, and it is a lot of money if he didn't think it was worth it. So yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. So let's um, jump back a little bit and talk about you graduating from college and undergrad and then getting a job. At what point did you decide that you wanted to have a startup or start a business of your own? Because you had work experience from KPMG, Ogilvy, Nestle, right? So what what, yeah, well, what was the phase shift there that led you to determine you wanted to start your own job? Okay. Well, um, KPMG was KPMG is basically the, the first first work experience I had. It was I worked in IT advisory then, okay. and first it just wasn't fun to be honest. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. The hours were too long. Like. I, I didn't have any freedom and, and I like I like my space, I like my freedom and um I guess when I was growing up I just I never imagined myself like I'm just thinking about it now. I never imagined myself having a boss. There was there was none of my oh I'm doing this and I have a boss and I'm reporting to anybody. So if if I was if I was doing anything, if I was um you know, even if I was acting out and talking about my future, I was the boss of whatever I was doing. So I guess, I guess it was bound to happen at some point. Um, so I, I, I worked in KPMG while I was in school. When I left school during my USC, I did an internship also with um, Ogilvy Prima Garnet Ogilvy in Lagos. It's now Prima Garnet Africa anyway. And, and I was a copywriter there. And I love to write. I love to read. I love to write. So, so that was probably one of the nicest jobs I've had. Not that I've had many jobs, but yeah, I really enjoyed that. And if I didn't have to leave to go and do my master's, it's very likely that I would still be there now. But I'd probably be doing another business on the side because that's, that's just what I do. Okay. And um, and well, um, part of that whole why do I want to be an entrepreneur thing is is something that that my dad my dad always says he's, he he doesn't believe in working for that people. I mean he 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 worked for the Navy for for about thirty thirty four years, and and he's he's so much happier now that that he has his time to focus on his business because he's always done business on the side always done real estate and and you know just all sorts of business on the side but but he's so much happier now that he has that time for himself and he he just he keeps pointing out that you know working this is this is a story my dad always says he goes working for working for someone else is like slavery as he says, no, he no, he says that all the time. He said it's exactly the same as slavery. Mm. That if if you look at a slave, the slave is a guy who is working for for a master, and the master gives the slave food, 
and clothes and shelter just enough that the slave can work for him but not that he can do anything else wow. and and if you look at if you look at regular paid employment paid employment it's an employee working for an employer that pays him a salary every month so he can eat and have clothing and have shelter and not really be able to do anything else so just enough so he can keep working so just like enough to survive Exactly. Just just enough to survive and make money for your employer. That's that's why your employer pays you. So it's you know, so so I mean that that has been stuck in my head since childhood. So it just it just it wasn't something I wanted for myself who wants to be a slave. Yeah. So that you know that that's really it. Um the Nestle job actually came when I had already started working on Capital Square. I'd, I'd gotten another job offer earlier, but then I, I I would have had to travel. I would have had to be out of the country for about six months, and and it didn't make sense while I was trying to set up something to you know just let me go and disappear. And I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, it's there's working for someone, and there's my own you know my own thing, my baby. So my my priority really was Capital Square, and still is Capital Square, mm. and. Uh, so after I turned down that job, and then the Nestle one came, I was just like, okay, so that people do not think I'm crazy. You know, people are looking for jobs, and me, I'm getting nice jobs, and just be like, ah, no, don't worry. So, so, so I, so I took that so, so that people wouldn't look at me funny, and um, I was I was only there for about four months because I didn't, I didn't enjoy the job. It was a, it was a graduate training program. I'm not I'm not someone that is particularly good with people, but then they thought that they should put me in sales. Wait, so what and do you, what do you mean by that exactly? Because you had to pitch this business to your dad. You have to pitch to people that are going to use your space. So what do you mean you're not particularly good with people? I'm not. Um, I'm not. A, I don't know how to sell very well. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that naturally has. Um, I'm not one of those people that naturally has a a way with people. Like okay. I can't just, I can't just meet you and start talking. I don't know how to. Like unless I have something to say to you, I, I usually don't talk. And even, even though I mean, I, I can sell if I have to. Okay. It's not, it's not my personality. It's not something I would. Um, I would naturally, you know, that that naturally comes to me. So, so, so sales, sales just wasn't a good fit for me. And and apart from that, I, I still had this this capital square thing I was working on. So basically, then for those four months, I would get up in the morning. I, I told you earlier, I'm not a morning person at all. Yeah. So I would. I would get up early in the morning, go all the way to Ilupeju. I live in Lake Yasuo, so I would go to Ilupeju or go to wherever markets that they sent me. So I had to be working in the markets um, and be there the whole day, really doing nothing because, um, I don't know, I, I'm not sure the program was planned well then, but I, I wasn't doing much. I was basically just, you know, loafing about in the market while I had stuff to do. Okay. And, Come back from work and immediately after I get home, because sometimes because of like parking in the market and all that, I would just I would just take take it down for to walk and back, 
and then come back from home, pick up my car, drive here, start fighting with all the liberals and, you know, everybody that is building everything, get back home, put on my computer and then work all night to, you know, work on the plans and the pricing and costings and all those crazy things. So it, it was, it just wasn't healthy because I wasn't getting any, any rest and, um, like I just I just wasn't myself. So so at that point I was I literally had to take take days off maybe every other week because I was ill. Like I was just burnt out. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's really that's really how it was. And and at that point it was my parents that had to beg me to to just quit. Because no, really, they were like, you know what, just focus on your business. Just quit this job. You don't need it. Just do what you are doing so that you don't come and die, you know. So, I mean, that that's just basically what happened with us. Oh, okay. and, and I'm happy. I'm happy now. I'm happy with how everything has turned out. Okay. So, you yeah. alluded to this, but let's talk about this further. Talk to us tactically about how you went about, like, first of all, isolating and locating the proper... A building to rent and then refurbishing the building to become a co-working space talking to contractors artisans and all those people that are going to work to make all the equipment and just to make the atmosphere because a co-working space is not necessarily like a typical office where everything is just a generic bland setup it has to have a bit of an atmosphere and a feel to it so talk to us about how you did those step-by-step processes to get everything in place? Okay, um, let me start at the beginning. Finding the building again, I was I was lucky. It was it was um, the, the building is owned by a family member, so so I saw it and then I was like, okay, yeah, I could use this place. So I asked and you know got money and got all that. Um, so, so at first, I, I was actually going to take a bigger space in the building. I wanted to take a whole floor, but uh, a whole floor was like too expensive for me. Hmm. So, 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 so I decided to stick with half, half a floor, just just one wing of a floor. And um, a, a wing here is divided into like three, three offices, with three different spaces. So right now, I'm using just two. The third one we're going to work on like later on this year. Oh well, around this time this year. We're trying to set up private offices for January next year. Okay. But anyhow, yeah, getting getting everything ready. It was basically just, just using connections I already had. So since since uh, the building was owned by family members, so I just got in touch with their architect as well, and I said, okay, can you help me draw up a floor plan for this? And because that that's what I do, I don't know anything about architecture and space planning, so I didn't want to now come and throw myself into that already. So so it's basically just talking to an architect and saying, and and it's always good if you know someone who is who is nice enough to do it for you for free. So, so I, I, I didn't pay. I didn't pay the architect for any of this. Said, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to do a co-working space, open, and, and again, you have to break it down into the simplest terms. So I just said, yeah, an open plan office, an open plan office. I want to have meeting rooms. I want to have a seminar room, and then I want to have a manager's office and a kitchenette. So, so I mean, I just spelled spelled all that out. And so what they came up with, and we sort of 
worked on everything to to make it to make it well. So I mean, the, the basic space planning issue of it wasn't so wasn't so difficult because because I just asked the professional to help me do that. But then to create the atmosphere is obviously down to like interior design. So it was paint colors. I love yellow. Okay. I like that it's just bright and so so there's there's a lot of yellow in here. But again, because yellow is such a strong color, I had to tone it down with gray. This is boring. Um yeah, I had to, I had to tone it down. So I mean the whole space is sort of yellow and grey and then I found I found some guys, some really cool guys. I saw them on Instagram and, and they do murals. So I just asked them to, to come in and, you know, paint on our walls. I just said, you know what, this is this is the space you have, do what you like. So 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 they did a few murals for us and um it's it's really just the colours, the colours and the murals that sort of give you that sort of atmosphere and I wanted it to be clean so there isn't so much stuff around, sort of minimal so that, you know, it's the people make the space at the end of mm-hmm. the day. So so it's it's just to figure out how to get cool people in here so that more cool people will come in. Okay. And yeah, I mean that's 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 really how it went. But then the difficult part was was the artisans. You know, I mentioned I had to come come here and be fighting with them every day because yes. that's actually what that's really what it was. Um, one thing I learned while doing this is that a lot of Nigerians don't take pride in their work. Like, so, so it's just. Um, Could you explain further? Um, you know, you know, if if you're doing something, if you're doing something that you see, maybe maybe doesn't define you, but that you take pride in it, you would do it well, so that people people would point at it and say, yeah, this person did this. So, so it's it's the same thing with um a lot a lot of artisans here a lot of people in nigeria generally are happy with mediocrity and you know not you know doing things well if it's the barest minimum they're fine so because of that dupa macaulay is here and she's a perfectionist and she wants to stand on well because she she wants capital square to stand out and she wants it to be different. But then all the people that are working for the Macaulay couldn't care less how their work turns out because eh, they don't and we can open, it can close. It doesn't need to be neat. The lines don't need to be straight. So so it's just all these things. It's all these things. If 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 you're very interested in having something look perfect and the people who are supposed to make that happen don't really care. It's it's very hard to to get the job done, okay. so you would have to rework things and rework things and rework things, which is which is what we have to do with a lot of things in here. But I mean, if it, it worked out at the end of the day, we had to push our opening date about four times because oh, okay. because so we ready because of but, pay, paying attention to details, right? Yeah, yeah really. Okay. So. Yes, I guess, I guess but it's, it's, a, it's a normal thing. Ask, ask, any, ask anybody in Nigeria that has had to build a house or renovate a house. It's the same story. So I, I think it's just it's just a Nigerian problem where, where we where we are happy with mediocrity and we don't take pride in what we do. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. All right, so let's talk about getting the people in the space because the way I envision a co-working space to operate, it's kind of like a hotel for offices. You have these 
high fixed costs that you have to deal with, power, internet, payment of staff, all that stuff that comes with running a physical property, and yet your income is dependent on a variable source of revenue where you don't know how many people are going to come into the space to work, you don't know for how long. So there's a lot of um, uncertainty involved. So how do you, um, would I say, forecast the, how do you bring people into the space, first of all? Um, a lot, a lot of, a lot of people that have come in have been referrals, word of mouth, uh, social media. So we haven't done any any sort of traditional advertising. Okay. Uh, although, although we're we're looking, well, I'm I'm thinking about that for for. I, I guess we we need we need more money to do that anyway. But yeah. It's um it's it's basically just been referrals and nice people nice people talking about what we do. So and and, and the cool thing is, um I guess I guess people are people are so impressed when they come in that even if they're not signing up, they tell someone and you know pe- people keep people keep talking about it. Obviously we, we haven't reached the, the stage where where you know, we're bursting at our seams or anything, but but we have a lot more people signing up now, and and you know I mentioned that we want to do private offices in January, so yes, there, there's a lot of interest in that as well. Because I guess part of it is is another another Nigerian thing. Everybody likes to look like a big man, so it's like, uh, why am I sharing office with you know how many people? So get, getting past that mindset was even you know was another issue in itself. Okay. But again, the, the, the people, the people with the big money have um, people. People with the big money want private offices, so you you give it to them. Okay. You give it to them, and 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 then you let the, the little people like us come and you know come and share and come and collaborate. But I'm my my passion is more on the shared space side because i just i i like the idea of of collaboration and sharing ideas and you know all sorts of people doing all sorts of things just just getting together and, and making things happen i guess so okay. so my my passion is on this side that that's already done but if if you're running a business you can't you can't just run it on on passion alone you have to look at what pays the bills well, yeah, and multiple streams of income Exactly, private offices do that. Okay, so uh, well, yeah. So it it seems to me you have two different types of customers. So let's talk about the mind and the profile of um, your primary customer, as it were, the people or the person that will come and work in a co-working space. Could you give us maybe an example or two examples of maybe a person that comes? Has signed up for membership and is using your space either daily, weekly, monthly, or what have you. Okay, um, the the people people using the co-working space are all relatively young. Okay. So it's uh, well, twenties, thirties. I guess basically everyone in in here is in their twenties or thirties, and. Um, 
you know, it's it's a mix of people. It's, it's pretty hard because the thing is, when when we when we started or when when I started, my idea was well, it's going to be all these you know techie people and artsy people and but 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 then you know the mix is just it's just interesting because we have everyone from web developers to you know fashion bloggers to um, architects and real estate people and people doing construction. So it's I mean it's just it's it's really everybody but but then what i guess what differentiates them rather than you know the kind of job they do or whatever is is the mindset so mm-hmm. so i guess youth, youth plays a part in it the fact that they are young so they are more exposed and and they are more willing to know that see you don't have to you don't have to pay for what you don't need because mm. because if if you really think about it not not a lot of people need to have a, you know a locked up office to themselves if if you don't have to come in every day, if you're just going to come and sit on your computer and work, you, you know, it's it's not necessary. So it's um it's that it's that thing of yeah, I don't need I don't need that locked up space. So it's it's a mindset thing. It's usually people more exposed, people who are educated, which well basically everyone in here is educated anyway. Yeah. But but yeah, that's 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 more of what it is, and then and then freelancers. So it's people people who who are working by themselves don't um, are, are happier with with the co-working space and and aren't really demanding for for the private offices. The people that we see demanding for private offices are maybe people in small teams, so groups of two or three that are always going to be working together. Okay. So they just like to have their own little space to work, but but really, it's uh, freelancers, young people, people who who are exposed and and, and don't want to pay for anything extra. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. So, um, if you had to look at the breakdown of your revenues, for example, what's the mix like? I know you haven't started the private offices, but are you generating enough revenues from the people that are coming for the co-working space to break even or to uh, meet your expenses, or are you still financing your expenses until you grow enough and build out the private spaces? Um, well, if, if if you asked me this maybe three months ago, I would I would say yeah, we're still looking at. Uh, you know, getting more finance and to meet expenses. But then, in in the past eight, three four months, like um, sign up sign ups have increased, and people people are are now paying for for the longer term plans. So like the quarterly plans, we have people paying for half a year already, mm. and and it's good. And and I guess if, if things continue the way they have for the past quarter, then. Yeah, we we probably won't need any. We won't need any financing to to manage the current space we have now. But since since we're planning to expand, obviously we need to now get some more money into you know into what we have to to work on the private offices. But again, based based on just this space, yeah, it's it's doing well. I think I think at this point we're we're managing our our expenses well with. With the revenue that's coming in. Okay. Because yeah. I asked that question, and I don't know if many of our listeners know this, especially those that are outside Nigeria, that um, power is actually a big issue. So, 
for you to have a co-working space like this, you need to be able to have power for majority of the day, which is, let's call it 8 a.m. to about 7 p.m. when people will be working. And that means you have to power it with generators, meaning you have to buy diesel. And the price of diesel is very variable depending on supply and demand. So that's why yeah. I ask um, if you're able to meet your revenue because for, for one, power is pretty much very unstable in Africa in general, for those that uh-huh. do not know this. So your primary source of power is your generators, which means you have to um, budget a huge amount on buying diesel to run the um, facility. So I think that's the, that was the main goal, to understand how you are managing those expenses. Because if you think about it, it's not going to be very easy for a young startup like um, someone that comes to the co-working space, for example, to rent an office, to have the funds to power the generators by buying diesel every day or every week, and then get internet up and running, you know, dealing with all that hassle and still start your job, you know? So being able to... being able to take care of all these um, issues means that you have more time to do your own productive activity and generate more income for yourself without having to worry about that. So that's pretty interesting that you're able to solve these issues. Yeah. Um, and uh, another thing that I helped do is um, the, the building we're in, it's, again, because it's, it's, it's an office, it's an office complex, so, so the diesel and all that, the building has its own generator, it has its own transformer, so um, power is pretty okay, and then, we, I mean, we had to pay a diesel deposit at the beginning of the year, about 1M, just put 1M down, 1 million down for, for diesel. Mm. And they just take out of that every month. So, so I mean, as, as much as it's, it's a huge sum of money to just, you know, throw on diesel at the beginning of the year, it helps because I'm not thinking about diesel month to month. Yeah, okay. I'm not thinking. Okay. So, so, I mean, it's the same thing that... that so, even you too, you have to, you outsource that headache of getting the diesel. Yeah. Okay. Exactly, exactly. So it's it's not it's not it's not a big issue. So so the the way power even is here, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because some sometimes people people don't see how much how much we're trying to do to, to make it easy. Um you said it yourself, power power is very it's, it's, it's not stable at all here. So apart from Nepal, the building obviously the building is connected to to the power grid. And then we have the, the building has a main generator, a standby generator that serves, that serves the whole building. And then in Capital Square, we also have an inverter that, um, at least for the times when they're switching over or when, when they put off the gym, they put off the gym for one hour in the middle of the day to. Um, I guess to, to let the generator, I don't understand the the logic behind putting off the gen in the middle of the day, but they do that for one hour. So so we have life for that one hour. We have an inverter as well. And if there's any issue with the gen, we know that we still have power. We still have internet. We have another UPS that is just for the internet in case the inverter has issues, which it does right now. So even if there's no... Um, light, like no actual light bulbs or no fan or anything. There's always internet. 
that's 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 one thing that I have to make sure of that. Yes, even if the power is crazy, there is always internet, okay. and that that always works. So, so I mean, we're basically running on about five sources of power if you count. Oh, so you Nepa, do, so Jens, one inverter, another UPS. So yeah. Wow. So that's like multiple redundancies just to ensure that at least people can be able to get the value of what they're paying for. Exactly. Okay. That's... In that, that, that's that's the only thing that that's the only way things can work in Nigeria. Okay. You have to have back, backup plans to to plan Z. Multiple backup plans, from what I can see. <laughs> okay. Mm, so, do you have any direct competitors to Capital Square right now? Uh, direct competitors doing exactly the same thing we do yes. is um, the hot house in Ikeja. Pardon me? It's, it's called the hot house. It's in Ikeja on Allen. Okay. Mm, so, so I mean, they are direct competitors in the sense that we do the same thing. But then again, not exactly because they're, they're, they're a bit too far away. For, for someone who lives in Lekki to go all the way to Ikeja, I mean... To work every day doesn't make sense. So, so there's there's nothing in, you know, very close to us. There's nothing in our direct uh, area of I don't know. I can't remember the the word for it. But yeah, there's nothing that close that that is such a big issue. There, I mean, there are a number of um, executive offices, shared offices, but but there are more, you know, suit and tie and more corporate. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're a lot more corporate than, than, than what we have going on here. Mm. And then there's City Hub, which is just a tech space. So, again, a, a lot of a lot of the people in here wouldn't fit in a CC Hub. Okay. So, it's, yeah. So, what is the future of co-working spaces in Nigeria? Do you see it becoming a trend where more people actually need to use your type of services yes i i, I think so I, I think i think we're going to have a lot more in the next in the next few years because entrepreneurship already is is now becoming i mean it's not all oh, just uh yeah just the host that are just looking for this thing people people are looking seriously at running their own businesses professionally and you know doing doing big things with this business so wherever wherever there are people who are doing that kind of work they are they are going to need office space and because of how how enlightened we are getting and how how much cost everyone is trying to save um, co-working spaces are like the cheapest the cheapest option you know with the best best value option really so Mm. So, so I, I see, I see a bunch of them coming up soon. I've had people talk about, oh, we need one in Festac, oh, we need one in, and and it's it's interesting because a lot of people are seeing the value of this, and and I mean Lagos is small, but Lagos is big. If you think about all the traffic to get from one place to another, yes. so you can't just have maybe two co-working spaces in Lagos and think is enough because somebody from Festac doesn't want to go to Ikeja, can't even think about coming to Lekki because, you know, he wants to go to work, you know. So it's, it's just it's just that that sort of thing is that there's there's so much opportunity here for, for co-working spaces because 
Nigeria is already a land of opportunity. There are many things that people can do, and they will always need space for it. They will always need resources. Okay. And just to clarify for some of our listeners, some of our listeners that are not aware, um, when she talks about First Hack, Yab, uh, Lekki, those are all kind of like boroughs as you ha- would have in New York. Take, for example, you have Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx, etc. Those are basically different suburbs and districts of the Lagos metropolis itself. So what Modupo just said was that her co-working space is actually located in, I would actually call it the central business district of Lagos, but there are also other suburbs and other districts that do not have co-working spaces. And the city is a city of, what, 15 million, 20 million people? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so, that, so that just means that even commuting alone from one end of the city to another becomes unfeasible for someone that is trying to run his startup. So having a co-working space in your um, direct vicinity is beneficial to an entrepreneur, for example. So are you thinking of expanding to other locations? I know this is quite early, though. Yes, actually. Funny enough, as early as it is, it's something I'd like to do because, I mean, it's always nice to grow your business, but I don't, I don't want to grow Capital Square and make it a bigger building. I like I like the, the small community feel we have, so I just like to replicate that in a different area. So, so it's something something I'd like to have other ones in Lagos. I'd like to have in maybe in Abuja, in Port Harcourt, in Calabar, maybe. So it's just... Um, yeah, it's something. It's something we're definitely looking at doing whenever the money comes. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's that's a good that's a good perspective because I would actually foresee that, as you said, you know, entrepreneurship is taking root and it's growing, and people would need these services. I actually spoke with an entrepreneur in. Egypt. His name is Mazen. He also has a pioneering co-working space out of Egypt. And he talked about the challenges of starting such a venture. And it was in the middle of the Arab Spring when he started his company. So I see the parallels between what they did over there in Egypt and what is going on here. And it's basically a youth-driven concept. You know, the youth have been frustrated with the social contract of going to school, graduating with a degree and then expecting a job and then the jobs are not available. And especially in Nigeria where you have over, what, 2 million, 3 million people graduating from universities every year, just a fraction of those people are able to secure jobs. So what do the remaining people do, you know? If there is no productive avenue to engage in, it's obviously going to be unproductive activities and what I say, negative activities they they adventure into. So what? So what do you think about that in itself? The problem of growing youth unemployment and how um, thinking about co-working spaces and entrepreneurship can alleviate such problems. Um, you, you, the un- unemployment in itself is, is is an issue already because. 
I think I think we've sort of been shocked. You, you were saying something about you know just just the way you're supposed to go to school and come out and get a degree and and all these things and 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 I think that's that's where the problem is because I guess professional professional jobs. I mean you know all this lawyer, doctor, architect, engineer, banker, all these things that they're, they're not for everybody. We we don't we don't pay enough attention to to the um, technical skills, to, to vocational skills. So so you, you can't see someone, you can't see a little child who comes from a well-to-do family or, you know, growing up and saying, no, I want to be a plumber or I want to be, I want to be a carpenter or I want to be one of these things because we've sort of been locked into into that space of and go to school, get a degree, get a job. But it doesn't work for everybody and not, not everybody has, has the physical, mental, you know, psyche to, to do that sort of thing. People are different. And, and that, that's, that's where I think we got it wrong because we're focused too much on on the professional careers than, than artisanal careers, which is which just, I mean, it's a circle. If, if people who are doing artisanal jobs don't, don't know it properly, haven't learned it properly, then they're not going to do, do good work and it's going to frustrate everybody. So... So number one thing is is to focus on that sort of thing, and then to just you know give give people freedom to to do to do what they like because and and I guess that that's something that our generation already knows, and I think our parents' generation is is realizing slowly because i have I have a friend who is a professional dancer, I have friends who their parents sent to fashion school, so it's it's something that um I guess it, it takes time to figure out. Now, how co-working spaces play in all this is just, you know, giving you who is doing your your own trade or your own job or whatever it is that's coming out of your head, the chance to, to appear as professional as the guy who is working in financial services or or the person who is a lawyer or something. So it, it just gives, it helps, it helps to sort of let people have that have that respect, which which they should have regardless. But we're Nigerians, we like image, we like we like having things look cool and look prestigious. It's all about so, the packaging. Exactly, exactly. So so I mean if 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 you're doing whatever whatever thing you're doing, if you're a fashion blogger and uh, people are saying so you're just sitting down on your computer writing about fashion, what are you doing? But then you now you now give them a, a nice little business card and, and you have an office that you work from and, and people people begin to look at you different. Mm-hmm. So so I, I, I think I think it's something that, that just helps. It helps it helps the perception. It helps the perception because because we're people that that believe in you know in looks and in and in things appearing flashy. So so having having somewhere nice and somewhere professional and somewhere cool to work from is you know it it just helps helps the perception. It opens doors. Okay. Okay. So. Let's look at this from maybe a futuristic perspective now. Um, what do you see the goal of Capital Square five or ten years down the road? Well, the, the, the goal the goal remains the same to make it easier for for 
people doing business to do business. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, in any way we can do that, we'll we'll do that. Be it uh, providing providing space or you know capacity building, where we're we're trying to run some some trainings and workshops on different things from business planning to project management and um you know and and all sorts of things accounting uh, social media marketing so so we're, we're looking at, at you know different ways to to help businesses to help small businesses to their business and and I don't think I don't think that's ever going to change obviously with the way with the way Things going in the country, we would obviously have to look at what, how, what, you know, how how the market is going and how how the economy is going and and the trends and try and you know keep up with them or set new trends or whatever. But the bottom line remains the same always: make it easier for businesses to do business. And speaking of making it easier to do business for businesses. Why don't we take a quick word from our friends at conga.com and WeCyclers before we get on with the rest of the show. Are you interested in increasing sales and driving higher profitability for your company? Do you want to reach over 50 million buyers and potential customers? Then head over to Conga Marketplace at conga.com. Conga.com is Nigeria's largest e-commerce marketplace that provides millions of customers the ability to access a wide variety of products at very attractive prices. Showcase your goods and services and watch your business explode. Go to conga.com, that's K-O-N-G-A dot com, and sign up to be a seller on Nigeria's largest marketplace. We can all do with a little extra cash. Why not just pick up your trash? WeCyclers recycles your trash and gives you amazing prizes or cash for every kilogram of recycled material you deliver. So, pick up those cans, plastic bottles, and bags. Call WeCyclers today. Go to WeCyclers.com, that's W-E-C-Y-C-L-E-R-S.com for more details. Okay. I was yeah. reading somewhere that um, you facilitate um, demo days for startups to come and present at your um, co-working spaces do you have um many events like that that you put on throughout the year because i'd love to understand what goes into running a co-working space as well as what goes into maintaining events that generate traffic that gets your name out there and also brings in people that eventually use the space um Right now, we, we we have only two two things we do. We have demo day, which which runs quarterly, okay. because uh, again we're, we're still we're still trying to to get that traction and get you know get people really interested. And it's one thing to have people applying to present, but then we also need to get um, get people come and watch. And based on based on the space we have right now we, we can't really get too many people in in our own time so 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 we do we do demo day quarterly and i mean it's it's just, it's just a free event it's hey you have you have a cool idea or you know you have a business that you're working on and you think people should know about it you want feedback on your business so it's it's free i mean we're not we're not promising any prices we're just promising that people will listen to what you have to say take a critical look at your business and and suggest things to help you or congratulate you or spread the word or that sort of thing so 
So so we just we just do that as our, our own little part to help businesses who may not even work out of Capital Square to to just get the word out there. Okay. And then and and then it also helps us too cuz cuz it brings us traffic people people who would come in who may want to hear about a startup and then come and see Capital Square and they like it and then they sign up from there. So 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 it's it's a win-win really for everybody. Um Every month, also we have we have something called a jelly. It was uh, I think it was in I can't remember whether so somewhere somewhere in the U.S. anyway, in New York or San Francisco or somewhere. And um, some guys started it a few years ago. They just invited people over to their house to to come and you know to come and work. So they put internet and things to munch and. So all all that. So so we thought it would be a good idea to do it for Capital Square. So so people who've heard of the idea of co working and have heard of Capital Square but but don't want to pay the day rates to come and check it out can come in on the third Friday of every month. So I think the next one is on the seventeenth of October. So just come in and check it out and see what see what Capital Square is about. They can bring their laptops and work and we'll have We'll have some snacks and sweets and that sort of thing, and they can just interact and work. So, so it's just an open co-working day that we do. That we do every month. Uh, planning for demo day is and it's not too difficult because we already have the space. So it's just again getting the people and then you know putting putting it on social media enough that people people show up. Um, and jelly is just, I mean, it's just a regular work day for us, just that it's, it's free. It's free mm-hmm. for everyone to come in. Uh, we were also, like I said, we're also planning different trainings. We had one in August on business planning, so how to write a business plan. Um, we're having another one on the 1st of November on project management. So we're inviting um, a small business consultant to come in and talk about uh, project management and do workshops. So there'll be there'll be activities and and discussions and basically just te- teaching us all how to how to manage our projects or whether it's, you know, a carpentry project or whether it's setting up your business or whether it's delivering something for one of your clients, just how to how to do that effectively and properly. And we're also having um, someone come in to, to demo ProWork, which is a project management software that's, you know, made by Nigerians for Nigerians or so for everybody really. Okay. And um, yeah, so so it's something that we're doing. I'm I'm also constantly reaching out to people to see to see who wants to teach something. So That's, um, that, that was going point, to be my yeah. next question: Is are the trainings based on um, user feedback, or do you just anticipate what people will need and then invite people to speak based off of what you anticipate people need? Uh, I, I guess I guess it's it's a it's a bit of both. Okay. Um, the, the business planning thing was yeah, people people want to know how to write a business plan. People, uh, especially entrepreneurs who who want to pitch ideas and you know need to do that. They need to get a business plan together. So it would be cool to to ask someone to come and teach them how to do that. 
um, the project management training is feedback from that first one. And they said, oh, yeah, we'd like to learn about project management. So, so we're planning that as well. And then there are some other things that I guess we're just, we're just anticipating. Okay. So if I, if I know someone who, who does, you know, social media management can come and talk about, you know, managing social media for your small business, how to promote your business on social media. And it's, it's just, I, I, I'm basically just looking at, um, you know, the concerns small businesses have. Obviously, talk it out with a few people and say, okay, would this be a good idea? And and if it looks like a good idea, then we we try and get someone to come and facilitate a training or workshop on it. No, and do you pay these people to come and do the trainings? It's uh, we we always we we have a sort of an agreement with them so so we could either share revenue it's it, it, it works easier if, if we if we share revenue so okay. if we're doing yeah, yeah so so if we're doing if we're doing a paid training then we can split the revenue and then you know just just depending on on what it is at, at the end of the day it's uh it's a case-by-case thing it depends on the person and and what they're asking for and what they need. But it's always good also to, to, to reach out to to reach out to people I know personally that that are doing things and you know that are working so that so that I have I have that angle as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think that that's that's the easiest thing is, you know, talk talk to your friends, talk talk to people you already know that would help you. If you if you can get it for free, get it for free. And, you know, Leveraging that, the personal network. Definitely. Okay. All right. Let's let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you personally as an entrepreneur as we start to wind down the show. So okay. you've mentioned a lot of things here, but I'd like to get your take on a couple of things now. Um, could you tell me about one of the entrepreneurs that you admired most and why? I know we spoke about this before we started the interview. <laughs> so yeah. I'd love to get your take and your perspective on this. Okay. Um, like, I, like I mentioned earlier when, when I was talking to you, it's, I'm, 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 not, I'm not one of those people that, that studies people and says, oh, I, I like Mark Zuckerberg and I like uh, Warren Buffett and I, I I don't know. These people are people. Um, the, the people I really admire are the people who sort of against against the odds. You know, just these these regular people we see on the road. The guy that decides one day that you know what he's going to go and learn how to do hair because women pay more money for hair. And, and you see a lot of people doing that as salons now. Like uh, people pay more money for you know women pay more money for hair. So rather than the guy saying well you know he's a guy so he's going to be a barber. He learns he learns how to sew a weave and to do braids. And and he goes and he you know he sells that service to people. People like that I admire because because they are going out of the norm and they are they are doing whatever it takes to make an honest living, and you know without without any sort of um without any any huge advantages you know. Mm-hmm. I mean some someone like me I'm lucky I have this idea, and and I'm lucky enough to have. To have people who can support me and give me the money and help me make it work and talk to people. But there are some people out there that, no matter how long they've had this idea for, it's just an idea until they go and do things bit by bit by bit and you know add up. They say, okay, I'll just set up this tiny one room and then expand it and expand it. So, so people who just 
you know the regular the regular guys selling selling cds on the road or the hustler you know the hustler that's 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 where i admire those people because because they go they 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 work harder they go further than the rest of us you know so those those are the people that that really that really inspire me so i mean when when i'm feeling lazy and i'm feeling like oh, i mean I, i want to just sleep at home today this work is hard and here i am sitting in an air conditioned office and you know talking to you on skype and you know yeah. it's just it's just it's crazy when you think about it that these, these are the real these are the people we should be celebrating it's all a matter of perspective Mhm. Okay. That's interesting. What are your biggest fears? So yeah, biggest fears that's that 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 this that this capital splitting workout that it would just it would just be colossal failure and I would have wasted I would have wasted time and money and and I, and I won't be able to deliver. I I I'm I'm afraid of failure. That's that's, that's my biggest fear in general. So, so I guess maybe maybe I work harder to to avoid it. Okay. Um, but yeah, but then you know there are some things you can't control. So I'd I'd hate to wake up one day and find out that this idea that I thought was such a great idea is really crap. So like mm. I mean that's that's it. And then, so what do you do on a daily basis to ensure that that failure? does not come because this is basically the imposter syndrome at work where you have a battle in your mind telling you, you know you know what this is not going to work you're not good enough you know all kinds of negativity comes into your head and as an entrepreneur and as a human being even Barack Obama himself we all face those negative voices in our minds that tell us you know what this isn't going to work what are you doing you're failing questioning yourself So how do you combat that negativity that tries to creep up and tries to to hold you back? Well, I I guess um I I, I don't let it hold me back. That's that's number one. So if I feel like something isn't going right, if I feel like okay, this thing I'm I'm constantly looking for ways to improve. I'm constantly looking for ways to to make what I'm offering better. And to you know to to make more people come in, and it's it's always it's always good to have to have supportive people around you. Like it's it's always so good to have supportive people around you because because then even if even if you can't see even if you can't see what difference you're making, there 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 will there will be people there to to remind you. To remind you and to just say, "Well, I'm proud of you." Say, well, "You know, you're doing well," or you know. So it's it's always it's always nice to have that. There's on on the day on the day of um of our opening, I got a card from my parents. Congratulations, we're so proud of you. And 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 I mean that still makes me happy till now. I was talking to a friend yesterday. He's he's in New York too, actually. And then he was just like, he just wants to tell me that he's, you know, he's proud of of me and what I'm doing. So, so I mean, even if I can't see it, it's nice to have supportive people around you. Mm-hmm. And if you know at the back of your mind that you're actually making money, and that your business is actually working well, and you just have this, you know, crazy negative voice in your head, go and take a look at your bank, your bank balance, and see that it's increasing, and you will feel better about yourself. <laughs> So no, is, no, so so can we take a snapshot of your bank balance? 
no, 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 because really, if if you feel, because at the end of the day, yes, you're making an impact and you're making people happy, but it's, it's still, it's still, it's still a business. You still have to make revenues. Money still has to come in. Mm-hmm. So every time, I mean, every month that I can go, go by where a bank balance has increased, has not decreased, I'm happy because I feel like, okay, people are seeing enough value in this thing that I'm doing to pay for it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's just, it's, it's nice to, I mean, just, just have all these practical things around you. Have, have, have people who support you and have, have, have your bank balance within easy reach so that, <laughs> <laughs> So, so that you can know you are doing a good job, because because if not, I mean, it's it's very it's very easy to get discouraged. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to get discouraged, and and yeah, and another thing, don't don't allow because you have you have to remember that you can't make everybody happy, which which was was an issue I had at first because I wanted to do plans for everybody under the sun. You had to work for everybody, and you can't you can't do that. There's always someone that is going to have, that is going to want one thing that you can't offer. And you can't change, you know, the plans for the people for, for, I don't know, 90% of people because of one 10%. You can't do that. So, if, I mean, if, if people, if people are telling you, this won't work and this won't work, and, you know, 90 people have told you it will work, and 10 people come and tell you it's not working. Sorry, you ten people. You'll find the one that is working for you because you you can't you can't make everybody happy. So it's it's just to remember that really. Yeah, and I think it was Bill Cosby that said it. I'm not sure if it's Bill Cosby that the best way to fail is to try and please please everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So let's talk a little bit about. Um, let's see here. I lost my train of thought. Okay, <laughs> okay. So as we start to wind down the show, um, what are some of the useful resources that have helped you in your journey? You know, books, tapes, software, messages, and stuff like that that have been inspirational to you, and that you find a source of like inspiration and also a source of um, motivation to do what you do. Um, inspiration, motivation, books, software, messages, all these things. Um, I'm I'm not too. I don't I don't read a lot of inspirational stuff. I, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I just find them extremely boring. But um, I I can say I can say resources that have helped me in uh planning in planning. Okay, well. Just, just use the internet. I, th- I think just read, just read articles. Just, just go on. I don't know. Have subscribed to an interesting RSS feed. You know, read something like brain pickings or co hunting or you know, just something random about design. Read Fast Company. You know, stuff, stuff like that. Stuff like that. Where, where you're reading about other people's ideas. You know, wakes up, wakes up ideas in your own head. So. I guess those are cool things to read. Just just read online magazines. Uh, again, I, I I don't know if it's just me, but but I I don't read anything that is like extremely serious. So why is that? If, 
I, I don't know. I, I just I just find it like I just find it really boring. Unless it, so, like you 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 probably won't unless unless it's a particularly interesting article. You you may not catch me reading Forbes or or CNN something. I don't know. But but I mean short short articles about people doing business and and what it is they're doing. They they tend to you know to wake up ideas in my own head. So I, I like to read a lot about design. I like to I like to just randomly read blogs and and interesting things. So it's um I guess that's just me. If you're the kind that reads inspirational books, you know, good luck to you. I can't I can't do that. Um but but yeah that's that's really it. And then write things down. I think I think it always helps to write things down. And if you're feeling too lazy, lazy to write, just you know, dictate and record it. Because I I used to do that every every time I have I have an an idea that I think is interesting, I I save it on Evernote. So I either just type it there, and if I'm feeling too lazy to type, I just dictate and record my voice, and I listen to it later. And I mean that's that's how I saved this co-working space idea. Mm-hmm. Was never I, I I read about it online and I thought it'd be a cool thing. So I sort of drew up drew up a random plan in my head and I just wrote it down and I said a few things and I saved it and you know it's it's real now. So um that's that's it. But um yeah, that's it really. Okay, because um. I guess from what I am getting from you and your background is that, you know, each person needs to follow their inner gut and their instinctive calling. Because you, for example, are an entrepreneur that you do not require um, external stimuli in terms of reading motivational stuff or whatever or, you know, business books or magazines. But at the same time, you read other sources of information, you gather data around, and then you also have your own natural way of processing information and following what is in your gut or or your heart and then using that to plan and develop. Is that is that what I'm getting from you? Yeah, yes, okay. like your method. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, no, because there are two types of people. Is either it's very primal and instinctive to you or it's a learned process and there's nothing wrong with being either one both are valid and fine it's just a matter of understanding what your natural ability and your natural nature is and going with it to the best of your ability so that's 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 very useful to know and thank you for sharing that with us so now as we wind down the show i have a couple questions so the first one is this um looking back on your journey thus far um what's the if you had to travel back in time what's the one piece of advice you'd give yourself when starting out capital square uh, Based relax. On all your, pardon me relax that's the, i mean that's that's the one thing i would tell myself to just relax and take it easy because that that's it it's 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 very easy to it's very easy to just get caught up in things and, and to feel like the world will end if you don't finish something. But but see, life you know life life goes on. You can there's 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 time. It's it's very easy to to live life as if it's urgent and it's good sometimes. But you know sometimes you you need to you need to just take a break and 
and relax and get some sleep and and go out and have fun sometimes. So yeah, that's 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 the one thing I would tell myself. I went back in time, you know, relax, everything will sort itself out. Oh, okay. And uh-huh. then what would you tell recent graduates that are thinking of launching a venture? Maybe a co working space or some type of entrepreneurial endeavor and they're or even someone that's looking outside in from either the US, Europe, Asia, Latin America, and they're thinking of coming to a, to somewhere like Lagos, for example, to start a business. So what's the one key critical piece of advice you'd give such a person? Um, some someone who, who is sort of thinking about starting a business in Lagos or in Nigeria, just yes. get get ready, get ready for people to frustrate you. You'll be frustrated, but I mean, you'll work out at the end. That's that's the that's the key thing. It's like just just know that people will frustrate you. So once once you can deal with that, you're fine. Mm-hmm. And how yeah. how did you deal with that? Just again, I, I guess it's, it's just it's just being prepared. Cause cause if you don't. If you don't expect it, it would it would affect you. It would affect you more than normal. But if you go for it, you just I mean plan plan for it. So if if you think if you want to set something up and you think you can be done in in a month, you give it three months. Allow allow two months for frustration. <laughs> it's true. Uh-huh. I mean it's, it's, it's just that, that that's that's just how things work. So you just just put that at the back of your mind that yes, people will frustrate you, people will slow you down, but you will still get it done anyway. So so mm-hmm. that you don't give yourself, you know, high blood pressure or you know hypertension about any any random thing. Just, yeah. just keep that at the back of your mind. Because yeah, 'cause I've heard a lot about that from people I've spoken to that, you know, what would typically take maybe three days elsewhere, you find yourself taking over a month because the general bureaucracy and the general mindset of people is not like things need to get done. If you're working with the mentality of things need to get done and they need to get done now, you're going to get, as you say, frustrated. But if you take a more relaxed approach and make allowances for the general idiosyncrasies of the Nigerian environment, you find that even though things might not get done as rapidly as you would want it to get done. It will still get done, but you just have to be able to put constant pressure on it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I, my last question for the day is, what's the one piece of advice you would wish... No, okay, let's put it this way, because you did not particularly talk about um, one entrepreneur that you look up to. So I would say this... Um, Towards the end of your entrepreneurial journey now, take, for example, you have to go into the future, maybe 20, 30, 40 years from now. Um, what would you want your legacy to have been like? That's, 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 that's a tough question. Um, 20, 30, 40 years from now. What would you have achieved, or what what do you want the world to know about you? That I 
I guess I, I would I would just be happy knowing that knowing that I made a difference. I guess knowing that I think by, by then it be it be less about about the money because it's not like this co-working thing is like a super profitable business. But but just knowing knowing that I've I've helped people and I'd like I'd like people to think about me with you know with good good thoughts and send good vibes my way and you know that, that that's that's really it i just i want to have made people happy okay yeah that's nice well Mudupa, it's really been a pleasure having you on the show we've learned a lot about your company your background you know the nice advice you've given us the things you look forward to and it's just been wonderful sharing, getting to know you and understanding and sharing your experiences as you've discussed with us. So thank you for that. And obviously we'd love to talk to you again in the future and see how Capital Square has grown and developed. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was interesting talking with you. Oh, likewise. It's a pleasure. And there you have it, guys, an amazing young entrepreneur trying out an amazingly different business model in Nigeria. Given all the obstacles Modupe has faced, I really want to commend her for sticking with her guns and sticking with her dream and her goal and her vision and bringing Capital Square to reality. It's not very easy when you have to think of um, having five different power sources to help keep your business afloat. You know, making sure that there are events to bring people in and all kinds of other issues you have to deal with in addition to running a profitable business and ensuring that, you know, you're not only able to meet your financial obligations, but you're also able to meet your other obligations. I'd call them metaphysical obligations because you have to almost be uh, not just economically inclined, but also philosophically inclined as to thinking about what your legacy is going to be, how you're helping out the community, how you're getting fulfillment from what you're doing with your own two hands. So it's it's very commendable to see that young entrepreneurs out there, especially in Africa, are thinking about all these things while they're starting their businesses and not just the monetary or financial gains. Because like Mudupa just said, it's not been the easiest and the most profitable cash cow. There's been a lot of financial athlete to start the business and there's still so much financial outlay to run the business but she's running her business and she's very determined very courageous and i'm sure capital square is going to be one of the successes that we're going to keep talking about in the near future so it's been a pleasure talking to everyone once again this week i'd love to hear your comments your feedback your questions anything else any shout outs you have for mudupe if you want to know more, please feel free to reach out to me at chi at odeshi.com. And you can also check out Modupe's page on our website. It'll be up with all the links to everything she's talked about as well as how to contact her. So, all right, guys, till next time, take care. Have a great week. Have a great day. And obviously, get bulletproof. Cheers. Bye. Don't let another minute go by without taking action to change your life. Visit Ordeshi.com right now for more incredible resources, and we'll see you next time on Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur.